plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to Warriors Plus Minus. We've got the entire crew here. The biggest win of the year to talk about, man. It's, this is like the most positive Warriors world has been in a long time. We've got the boss man, Tim Kawakami, oh, with no, us. Check, check that, check that title, check that title. We're going to have to change that one. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. We're keeping it. We've got superstar Ethan Strauss. Check that title also. Check that title also. <laughs> nah, I, gotta like that. That I gotta too, like that baby. title. Yeah, I gotta wanna keep that title. And obviously the most important of the entire operation, the beat writer, Anthony Slater. Slater, I'll start with you. There was some pretty good vibes after the game. It felt like Steve Kerr got uh his revenge against all of the social media angst, right? Is that is that what you took away from that game? If they're down ten to three against the Spurs on uh, Wednesday, I don't, I don't think people are going to be like, "Well, but they came back against the Warriors." Steve's remember fine. the Lakers win. That that won't be the hashtag. Yeah, good luck telling that to Andy Liu. He he's going to say what he's going to say. Come on, it all paid off, right? The Ubre patience, the lineup. Like he made the lineup. Like Steve Kerr winning his bag. No, he doesn't get like, "Oh, great move, Steve." It's more like, "Why didn't you do it earlier, Steve?" See, we were right. <laughs> and why? Are you playing Wiseman? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, it always ch- it changes. It's fluid. It's very fluid. But I watched that game. If I can interrupt here, the, the most important person. Curse patience is what we're watching here. I mean, he's patient with these guys. He's especially patient with like role players. And we're seeing that with, you know, Ubre and Wiggins had a slow start. He's going to go with them. You know, Wanamaker was bad for like four games there and he stuck with him. And we're seeing like, hey, if I'm going to get. Anything that we need out of Uber, I got to stay with him. And we're seeing him get some things out of Uber by kind of mixing it around a little bit. Now, moving him to the second unit, which I believe one person on this podcast was definitely calling for for a while. Guys looked good at, do, you know, and, and just kind of flourishing under Steve Kerr, as we've seen over the seasons. That's why, like, hey, four games isn't enough to judge his team. Maybe it does take the 20 games that Steve Kerr talked about. And now they're what? They're at 13? So seven more games still left for Steve Kerr to fill out this team. That's what's funny. It's only been 13 games. If You, you know, it feels like we, we're like deep into some marathon where like so many definitive things can be taken. You know how small of a sample 13 NBA games is? Especially with the first four didn't come without or with Draymond Green and the 13 have come with a 19-year-old rookie who has 95 things being thrown at him at once. And, and it came after a nine-month break. You know, I mean, again, there was going to be things they have to discover. I would push back a little bit. You're right. It's a small sample size, but it's a more meaningful sample size when you're not as good as you used to be. Back in the day, whatever issue they were having during the dynastic run, you could say, hey, it's a small sample size. Don't overreact, blah, 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 blah. But at this level of skill they have and talent, you go into a little nosedive, you're not going to make the playoffs. So in a way, yes, it's only 13 games, but every game feels a little more meaningful than it did in the seasons where you could just rubber stamp them to the finals. 72-game season, so that, you know, that shrinks it a little bit too. But I think generally, 
I think this, the point is this team was going to, they got a lot of new faces and they've got a lot of things they got to figure out. And it was going to take some time. And they're not all the way there yet right now either. I think they're going to go through some bumps still. They were like never in control of that game until they won it. I mean, that was that was a theft, you know, and it yeah, was a happy Yeah, some of that was theft. the Lakers chilling. <laughs> you know, they do that. The Lakers do that. This is one of the most kind of, you know, placid LeBron James games I've seen. <laughs> like, he, he usually gets up for the Warriors game, and I don't know that he got up for this one. Anthony Davis's defense, I mean, he is an incredible defensive player, and I felt like he was escorting the Warriors to the rim at, at certain points <laughs> of the game. It but was, the Warriors yeah. did it. They, they took mm -hmm. it. Like, it would be worse if they'd lost a game against a disinterested Laker team that was get, that gave it up and that played hard well, in the first quarter. that was the thing, you know? I think. If you watch the Lakers, they do this a lot. They, like, mess around, they play with their food, and then at the end, you know, they win the game. And this time at the end, it was Steph Curry and Draymond Green, right? Like, that was a little bit different, I thought. The second unit won this game. And the second unit has won them. They won the Clippers game, too, and those are their two best games of the season. They're good right now. Eric Pascal MVP. <laughs> I need Slaker come on. this. What, what happened to Marquise Morris in this game? Does, it, does that happen to him where he plays one stint and that's it? He's not that good. I mean, he's the worst of the twin brothers. He makes sense as a spacing five when they want to play Davis basically at the center and have a spacing big next to him. But he's, I mean, he's a minimum player. He's just, he's hey, not I just that thought good. he was like a, somebody in the rotation and then he plays six minutes, gets hammered, and then he doesn't play again. Vogel's pretty uh, amendable to change within rotations, even within games, if stuff's not working. I just don't think he liked Morris on the floor against that Warrior second unit because that, th that's the one thing about this Warrior second unit. They're very different than most second units. They don't even have a center out there to start the second quarters. Um, and they're just... They're, they're kind of these like bullying, somewhat floor spacers that uh, play with high energy, attack downhill. And then they have Pascal, who's uh, just kind of feast with, uh, you know, within this environment. Little parallel, like David Lee getting injured at the beginning of that 2014, 2015 season. I wonder if the Chris injury has inspired, and you got to give Kerr and the coaching staff credit opening up this off the bench five man role for Pascal is just it's completely changed his season it feels like I don't know if he might was, be, have changed his career path possibly yeah well it's you know Bogut was saying on his podcast that Draymond was going to be on a plane for Europe had the uh, the David Lee thing not happened I'm not sure if that's the case but it, like little things can change the trajectory of a career that's not the, that's not the case <laughs> <laughs> not the case it's going to be on a plane for Europe that these little things can change the trajectory we need to uh, add Bogut to the uh, drink list, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, then we get we'd be drunk by in twenty minutes. <laughs> now that he's in the meteor, but these little things can change the trajectory of a career. And Pascal was looking like he did not fit in the rotation at all, and now he has this new job, and he's almost bringing a. It, it was funny because. Uh, Montrez on the other team, he's almost has that kind of role for the Warriors in a way that that Montrez had with the the Clippers. So it's that's a nice thing to see. Yeah, I mean it's kind of two things. It was Draymond slow to come back. Like Draymond's still not playing full Draymond minutes. Maybe in the second half he did, but not really because he's coming out at the end of the first quarter. And he's not coming back in until Steph comes in. So he's taking a longer rest than usual. So Pascal gets those minutes, and then he gets the center minutes to start the second unit. That's those are that's because of Chris. There's kind of two things that kind of happen, and a guy that you didn't, you know, a lot of us didn't see a huge role for now suddenly has what the third most important role on the team. I mean, it is Steph, 
Draymond Pascal, and you know, right there with Wiggins. That that's a huge, huge move for a guy. And give him credit, he was ready for it, and he's just going. I mean, he is clearly unafraid of the moment. He's clearly stepping into this and say, "Okay, I got this." And it's very, very good to see from out of a player. I assume opposing adjustments will come. I'm surprised how long opponents have let their backup center guard him. You know, if I was if I was uh, coaching against the Eric Pascal second unit, I would probably put the center on you know whoever name one of the wing Baysmore or something. Um, I understand that you know the, there's guys who can Jordan Poole. <laughs> uh-huh, briefly, he was in, but um, you know that that unit wants him one on one going downhill against a big. Like, that is their number one goal. So, you know, and that's part of the regular season, right? This isn't a playoff series. Teams aren't adjusting game to game. They're mostly just showing up at the arena going, wait, who are we playing tonight? Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, it's working. It'll probably keep working. You know, he's starting to get early, you know, a little bit, tiny bit of six man of the year buzz. I'm, he's going to have to continue this, you know, game after game after game. But I think he had 19 points in 19 minutes last night, which is... On a uh, pretty big stage. People, A lot of people watching. You know, that, that was, it was a hell of a game. And they need it if the first unit isn't. Jeez, you know, TK, yeah. they sound like you're trying to trade him right there. Oh, big <laughs> stage, everybody watching. He's losing his trade value. Good for the trade value is something I thought. Good for the trade value. It's good for everybody. If he's if he increases his trade value, he increases his own value, and that's good for him. They can't trade him now, though. I mean, they absolutely need him on that second unit. I'm just saying they needed to lengthen out this roster. Absolutely, they need quality minutes when Steph's not in the game they they can't have it just be oh my god when Steph coming back in although Reggie Miller does he do it every game when he does a Warriors game when Steph come that's the big question when Steph coming back in and I scream <laughs> to the TV every time after the 630 mark first stop Reggie it would be one it would be one thing if they were saying hey man Steph should be coming in earlier right we know it's a six-minute mark, but now's the time you bring him in. They legit don't know when he's coming back. Like, and, and, and like a casual fan, it's like I don't. I when do I pay hey, attention? Well, why again? is Steph not on the court? Yeah, yeah I want to see like, Steph. This is your exactly. chance. Tell the readers. Tell the and you know, LeBron wasn't in the game at the same time. It's like Le- LeBron's not in. You don't have to be saying where's Steph. We know when Steph's coming back in. Oh, whatever. The other thing is, and this is not, you know, we can get into the reasons for this, but they're they've been better this season in than on Steph minutes. You know, their their best pockets of the game right now have been start of the second. Some usually start of the second, they really get a rhythm. Start of the fourth, it's more hit and miss. Might but, might have a little something to do with Damian Lee. Maybe a little Damian Lee effect on the, off the bench right there. We could talk about the starters. I mean, the starters are uh, the I think the worst high unit use or high usage unit in the league right now. We talked about the Wiseman minutes were terrible uh, last night. No question. He's been struggling. Uh, they get him out. Then the first unit looks pretty good. You know, like the, the, there's some mix and match there. But they got to I mean, I don't think. Does anyone think that they should pull Wiseman out of the starting lineup? I, I don't. Do they care about their future? Do they care <laughs> about their future? I don't think he ever should have been starting. And I think I said that earlier on the podcast. I prefer him going up against backups and not just from the jump completely uh, getting thrown to the wolves like that. But there are a bunch of considerations behind the scenes that I am not privy to. And it's easy for us to Monday morning quarterback uh, these decisions, but I don't, I don't like it for him because the starting lineup has such terrible spacing. I'd like to see him either be in a lineup with good spacing 
or in a lineup where there's just not so much pressure on him and he's not screwing up a shot that would have gone to Steph Curry. I want one or the other, but this thing where he starts out and he's trying to roll, but the defense isn't really guarding Draymond, and maybe they'll start guarding Oubre after the last game, and that's something we need to get into, but they're not at this point. It's it's not really a great place for him to just explore what he can do and make mistakes. The argument would be like, that's his spot for the next decade. So go get used to it. You're going to need to get used to playing next to Stefan Draymond because that's just that's James Wiseman's spot. They're not going to pull him from the starting lineup. He is their starting center for the next decade. Night to night, depending on how he's playing. Look, last time he only played 13 minutes. Correct choice by Steve Kerr not to go back to him. We all would agree with that. But James Wiseman just is the starting center. He's going to be at tip-off every time he's healthy for the next however long until they either trade him or he's not on the team, which might be in 2030. So that's just the reality. I'll just say quick, somebody with the Warriors explained it to me that he is given roughly 15 minutes every night and everything else he has to earn. And I think that's the way you have to think about it. Well, that's what the way they played a lot of their starting centers, frankly, through the years, right? I mean, it goes it goes with the flow, and I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Slater here. Like this is his spot. If he he can't figure out how to play with Steph and Draymond, then he's not gonna be as good as they hope he's gonna be. Just figure it out now. And and if you lose ten points every time he's out there, they won't. But if you do, you deal with it. And and hopefully the next time it's you lose five points, and the next time you lose two points, the next time you gain two points. So I think they only gain by this in the long term. I don't think they lose anything in the long term with this. They are seven and six with him as a starter, and you are presuming he's learning from this. You are you presuming Draymond in his ear is going to keep you know is going to push him to another level. And we haven't seen it like since the first early rush, but I think you can still see the talent there, and you can still see why they're doing it. This is the wrong team to be trying. Like, this is the, this team is going to value like struggle. Like, just just the way they set it up. You look at uh, Eric Pascal. We've been talking about. They're seeing the benefit from him playing last year, like starting and and being in the mix. And it wasn't even the role that he was supposed to be in, but it just works. You got dudes like Steph and Draymond who you know struggled as rookies. Like that's how it is i don't think it's bad necessarily that this is not optimal for him to begin like this whole thing was born in adversity and that's how they that's how they think that's how they operate so i don't know why they would think it would be different for him they probably think it's good for him to go through this well you know it's interesting like think about his best games it was you know nets bucks to start the season when i don't think he had as much flowing through his mind it was more just hey go be new and play out there there's a lot of mop-up duty because they were getting blown out he was great in mop-up duty because it was just like hey just shoot kind of explore what you can do you don't have to think about like the importance of you know angles on screens with steph and playing with draymond and all that um and, and and then I think when he gets in that starting unit and they've thrown 25 different things at him pregame and Draymond is, is, is in his ear, I think he's in, you know, he's in his head a little bit. Uh, it just seems like he's, he's overthinking out there and he's better when he's not thinking. But the reality is the most important date for James Wiseman in the next however long is opening night next season when Clay Thompson is back. They want to get him into the best version of a starting center on the Warriors by that date. And if that means he takes lumps now or maybe they lose a few games now, now, while in the moment it might, you know, 
tick some people off and saying, hey, look, we're trying to we're trying to win this season to get a playoff spot in Steph Curry's prime. Why are they playing James Wiseman? Well, they're trying to win the title next year, right? They're trying to win the title two years from now. And getting James Wiseman as good as possible, either to trade or to start at center those next two seasons, is a lot more important than if they beat the Lakers to, to get the sixth seed instead of the seventh seed this season. That's just true. But is that worth sacrificing the title this year, though? <laughs> <laughs> That's the disconnect, right? The title's not there this year. <laughs> yeah. And also, what is playing Kevon Looney 30 minutes a game is going to get you, what, two more, sp- three, eight, 15, 20 more wins? I don't think so. If you had Marquise Chris and he was playing great, okay, I could have that discussion. I think Looney is really good as what he is. His close halves. Jump in there at the end of the first quarter, you know, just like play spots. You're not playing him to space the floor. You're not playing him to, you know, individually lock down somebody. I think he would have as much trouble trying to go up against Marcus Holt as clearly Wiseman did. So I, I just don't know what the what the real other option here is other than let the kid grow, see where he goes. Looney's got the Steph telepathy, which is, uh, I think, the main thing that he brings to the table on offense and sometimes feels like the only thing. He had a corner three last night. That was, what am I talking about? That spacer. was a shocker. He's a spacer. <laughs> that was a shocker. The thing with Wiseman, I do wonder, and it's so hard to know not being behind the scenes of how they're making these decisions. I really liked what he was bringing to the table, the three-point shot. I don't think he's a 40% three-point shooter like he is right now. That's that small sample size stuff. But he could really add something to the spacing if he develops that. And I just wonder what's going on right now, why he just stopped taking it completely. So that one's a little strange. I asked Steve about that. Yes. His, expl- his explanation was that they... Um... They're they're telling him to dive. They think that's what helps the you know offense most when he just dives to the rim because he takes the defense with him and that has you know taken away opportunities where he's standing at the three point line. I I kind of agree with you, Ethan. I think he needs to be chucking up two to three a game probably at least just for developmental purposes too. I think he's better helped by developing that shot and gaining more confidence in it. So just my preference. If nothing else, Ethan, he needs to know what's a long two and a three. Like how many <laughs> shots is he taking step, with step a foot on line? line. I'll, I'll, se- I'll settle for him catching the ball when there's nobody yeah, I, around I, I was going to say, you know, I think he's a little on the perimeter. It's a little rattling for him because people can reach in and take that ball out. Like, I don't know that he wants to be dribbling the ball or just have the ball where guards are swiping at him because we're seeing he has trouble collecting on rebounds. He has trouble collecting it from passes. He has trouble, like, again, it's not a huge thing, but it's a thing. Like, when you're a high-usage center and you can't hold on to the ball every other time, that's a big deal. And I think he's going through some of that where, wait a minute, if I try to get myself some space here, I could lose the ball. And... He's going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to do some hands drills there or something. They are. That turnover in the first quarter where Steph throws it to him and there's nobody. I mean, what was shocking about that is there's nobody around him. Nobody around him. He's calling for the ball and looking right at Steph. So it's not like it caught him by surprise. And it just goes right through his hands. I mean, he's young. Every player has their flaws, but that one was, you just wonder, how do you improve that kind of thing? Because it's such a strange, it's such a strange thing. The one thing I've heard, you know, because I've asked the same thing, they say strength. They just need hand strength. It's a different kind, you know, we don't think about that, but you know, what were the the stress balls where you guys are just that? So does he just, because he's really built for a 19 year old, but did he just never develop any grip strength? Did he never use the, uh, the grips on the weights? Is that... 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know that deeply. Yeah, I have, maybe I should explore it Let's more. get Brandon Payne on the yeah. call. We need some answers. <laughs> the one thing I even asked about, because you know people talk about, well, that's the Kwame Brown hands. Well, the Kwame Brown had small hands. He doesn't have that, so that's not an issue. It's just apparently it's it's kind of strength. And then I think the other thing I really do, he wants to be great so bad, and he's trying to absorb all these lessons and, and put them on display. Yet, like we've talked about, he's played, I think, now at this point, like 14 games post-high school. He's just thinking about 25 different things. I don't buy the small hands. Like, Steph has small hands. You could you could rocket it at him. Like, Steph can't palm a basketball, but he's going to catch it if you throw it at him. I mean, maybe this is a tangent to go off of, but it is, it's just a befuddling, a befuddling issue. You know, and for a guy who gets in the mix a lot, that's the problem. Like, if he was just a guy who stands around and you're not really asking him to get in the mix, whatever. You know, Festus Azili wasn't good, but it wasn't like you're throwing the ball to Festus Azili every other possession. They are throwing it to Wiseman every other possession. He's contesting shots. He's But, you know, how many times have you seen the ball come off the backboard? He's there, and the ball just bounces off his hands. That's going to be a big difference maker for him to be if he's going to become a great player he will not become a great player if he can't collect those balls or if he loses the ball if guys don't want to pass to him and that's what happened with Azili essentially like he was open they're just not going to pass it to him at some point it'll happen with Wiseman not probably this season but at some point unless those hands get a lot better than they are I just gotta believe there's some like there's got to be some type of ability you can't dribble like that and shoot like that and not catch the ball like either you, ha- either you have soft hands or you don't like it, it is a mystery i don't even understand him in this not this ability to not catch the ball like he has soft hands in every other part of the game except when he's got to grab the ball it's weird i i don't know i some of these things i just don't know if you get you know what i'm saying like i don't know like you could work on it you could probably get to a certain like minimum baseline but some of it is probably instinctual. So that's that's what I wonder about him. Like, is this just who he is? Can you learn how to catch the ball? We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Just picture what he what he might be in, we'll say 2025, he'll be 24 years old. I could definitely still see him bobbling the ball, but there's so much rookie stuff there, right? I mean, I, I do think some of these issues will always follow him, and maybe they will hinder him from becoming his best self and all-NBA center. Some of this, a lot of the mistakes are going to be sharpened over the next couple of seasons. They just are. Yeah, and just, it's decision-making. Like, Don't get yourself into a situation where you're going to turn the ball over. I think that's what Draymond was talking about him in the clip that we heard on TNT. He's like, I'm getting you the ball there. Stop. Then do something against Marcus Gasol, which I thought was hilarious because he's telling them how much he likes that matchup with Marcus Gasol standing right next to them. But like, don't like just keep going and charge. Like, you know, again, that Euro step was unbelievable last night. Well, you're just doing stuff to do stuff. You're not getting anywhere. You know, just like slow down a little bit, you know, just trust yourself instead of just rushing. I kind of liked that turnover from him just because at least it's aggression. At least it's him trying to do but this, something. The, the Euros, the Euros, the yeah. Euros. Straight, I don't yeah, yeah, aggression yeah. is his problem. He wants to dunk it. He does want to dunk it. No well, and I liked that. that when he got benched after it, he was visibly angry. I think that's a he good He was aggressive sign. on the Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he was Euro step in right into that Gatorade. That, he didn't bottle, bobble the Gatorade. Really, I think that matters. You don't want him lackadaisical after getting benched. You want it to mean something to him. And I know the announcer said it, but sometimes cliches are true. I think, look, honestly, my assessment of Wiseman, which is very uh, turbulent, and if you follow Twitter, it's he's the he's the future of the next KG, and now he's a bust. I think overall, actually, pretty good. I like the collection of skills that he has. This is just a this is this is a rough you know a rough patch for him, but I think that these things can be worked on and can be improved, and ultimately they're on the clock. Wiseman's on the clock, and so is the Warriors' development team because some of the draft picks have not worked out of late. I had somebody compare him to first season Demonis Sabonis with the Thunder, um, and if you remember, he had he you know he had flashes, but he struggled a little bit. He was on a win, you know a team with win now aspirations. They were desperate without you know KD to to still say relevant. And it was a Russell Westbrook environment, which was weird for a center. Sabonis was so obsessed with wanting to immediately be good and be great. He, like there was times he would like go over the bench basically in near tears because he had just had a bad stint. And I think you see that with Wiseman. He just wants to be so good right away. And it took time for even Sabonis. And I'm not like I'm not even necessarily comparing the games, although I do think there are some like lefty big similarities between the two. Like you said, I, I, I do think his desire to be good in some ways might hurt him a bit now. You at least think he's going to maximize whatever he's going to become. I don't know if the flaws, how correctable they are, but I have a good feeling that he will do all he can to try to develop himself. He's going to, like when summer comes, he's going to get in the gym and whatever strength program on the hands or whatever program they put him on, he's going to do it. This is a big test for this Warriors uh, developmental staff who has been criticized, but they've been trying to develop like the Jacob Evans of the world, the Jordan Pools of the world. Like this is a different task. It comes with a lot more pressure, but it comes with a lot more talent too. So it's going to be interesting. On behalf of the Warriors player development staff, I will give you Damian Lee. I will give you Eric Pascal. <laughs> On behalf of Chris DeMarco, it's like, are you you're, are you not watching the work we, that we've done? Are you not seeing the progress of our middling players who've now become rotation players? What? No, nah, anyway, um, I do think we need to <laughs> – I want to transition to uh, this Kelly Oubre in the second unit and – not just because I've been saying it will work, but mostly because does Steve Kerr basically just prove that he can change the starting lineup? Well, he didn't change the starting lineup. I know, but if Ubre works in the second unit, if Ubre works as a six man, he kind of cracked the door, right? One thing we all talk about starting lineups, and I understand we do, but it really isn't that important because you're subbing people out with in halfway through the first quarter anyway. And so what we should talk about is lineups with Steph and without Steph. That's the important stuff. Like, who gets the minutes with Steph? Who is in the minutes without Steph? So essentially, they flip Wiggins and Ubre for that. That's like being out of the starting lineup in the Warriors, if you really think about it. And if you're taking, you know, Ubre was getting most of the minutes with Steph, and that was not looking good. And if you break that up and he only gets half his minutes with Steph and half his minutes with the second unit with Pascal and Damian Lee and all the other baseball we're talking about, I think it is better for him. And it's it's essentially like changing the starting lineup because that's how the Warriors play it. It's with Steph and without Steph. Those are the two Warriors' most important units. And I think, yes, breaking that up and putting Wiggins with Steph – 
And I think who wrote it? Like Wiggins plays essentially the same. No matter what, was that you, Slater? I, I can't remember. Yeah, that. I just basically said Andrew Wiggins is Andrew Wiggins at all times. Yeah, he's not the guy. Like, oh my God, Andrew Wiggins is taking over this game now that Steph's out. He's done it at times, but he's done that with Steph. Like he just does what he does, or doesn't do what he doesn't do. If you want to be the Minneapolis fan, Ubre's game's going to be affected a little bit more. I think, and, and also as we talk about all the time. How much less painful is it for the Warriors for Ubre to miss a three when he's not playing with Steph as opposed to when he's with Steph? When he takes a shot anytime he's on the floor with Steph, you're like, what the hell? Get the ball to 30. And when he's not with 30, then it's like, what whatever. What the hell? You know, Get yeah, the ball yeah. to Wanamaker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on, Wanamaker, go. It does take some pressure off of him, and I think this is Steve essentially changing the starting lineup, even though it's not the starting lineup. But it's tough because if you don't take him out of the starting lineup, then Kelly Oubre is just going to lead the team in minutes. Like it gets, it gets very tough to find. Well, and also where... you, want him, you want him to guard people too. Like you're going to have to spot that a little bit because he was guarding LeBron to start. Now they closed with Wiggins on LeBron. I thought that was interesting because didn't Wiggins guard LeBron last season? And then he flipped it, but then you had Wiggins guarding LeBron at the end. They like tag team in those two. That's their idea of... I feel like Steve Kerr views the starting lineup as like, what if we're in a first-round series with the Clippers? He wants, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to open the game looking at Andrew Wiggins and Paul George... Or, and Andrew Wiggins and uh, Kelly Oubre. They've been terrible. The starting lineups are terrible. The, Ethan has detailed the uh, fit issues, but I get the idea. And, like, you talked to... like. Mike Brown, for example, I've talked to him, and Mike Brown is very defensive-minded. He loves what Oubre brings defensively. He just, he that's disruption. And as far as I know, Mike Brown does a lot of the rotation decisions, um, and that's that's his purview, so that makes sense. But, I mean, what does Damian no, Lee Steve have? Kerr, man. It's all, are you not, are you not on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. But Damian Lee, what does he have to, it is funny, it is funny to Isn't me. Isn't that, that interesting, Ethan? I was waiting, I was going to ask you that next. It's like, Oubre goes to the second unit, and it doesn't impact Lee's minutes at all. Like, even when... Ubre comes out of the game. Bazemore comes in. And by the way, Ubre has one of the best games of his career, and Damian Lee still better in plus minus. It's still, it's just, it's amazing the impact a guy can have. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that Damian Lee is the greatest player ever. It's just shooting, being a threat off the ball, and moving the ball are things he does well. And I just want to see more of that alongside Steph. Maybe it won't work out. He's underrated as a defensive player. I mean, I don't think he was before, but I think this season, you know, he's getting deflections. He's like, I'll see a deflection. I'll think, oh, that was Oubre. And, oh, no, wait a minute. That was that was Damian Lee. I think Kerr still leans to the defensive side with this. Like, if you're going to another guy, as Marcus just said, it's usually Bazemore, and then it's Lee. But I can see that changing and altering. If Oubre's minutes go down... If they're, you know, they think they can't put Bazemore in for 22 minutes, then I can see finally Lee getting 20 minutes. Like, was he, he's averaging probably like 16 right now. He could close some games. He has closed some games. Obviously, he's won some games. But Kerr always leans to the defense. And you saw, like, Oubre gets the huge turnover on the inbounds play. Like, you know, there are reasons why defensive players matter at the end of games. There just are. Sometimes you don't want to lean that way, but Kerr's going to lean that way as much as he can. And, and that's why I would guess, I haven't asked him this, that it's always Oubre over Lee, always Bazemore, mostly over Lee, because they can get out there and bug the other team. And he doesn't think that Lee can, I mean, Lee can't do it to their level, but I think he's getting better at it. I think he's definitely moving in that direction. I got a question for you guys. 
so I mean, like part of the reason I think he's been able to soft play adjustments is because they they're winning through a lot of this, right? They're seven and six. They're not for you know if they were like four and you know whatever right now, four and nine, I think there'd be a lot more pressure. Even within this, like obviously the starting line is not working. What is your guys? You know, look into the future. Two months from now, what is the starting line? Do you think it's still the same? Yeah, I mean, no, I, not my clay. preference. In I two, said two, two months. months. I didn't yeah, say two, two months. Clay's coming back in two months. We buried the oh, lead here. Two years. Bionic <laughs> leg. I mean, look. I think that Lee should be in there in the starting lineup instead of Ubre, but it's not my call, and I don't anticipate. I don't anticipate that call being made. Steve might call you and ask you, Ethan. How about that call? Was that call? <laughs> I think it'll be the same. I think, like like TK was saying earlier, like the pseudo starting lineup. I think that will. Ch- should change actually i mean you bring in lee as that first up i think you got to do it for steph like literally for steph i think the only reason this is an issue is because essentially you're saying like yo steph suck it up right like yo yeah we're we're gonna put our worst lineup with you and you just (laughs) gotta make it work and everybody else you know will will try to work for it but at some point they gotta say at some point, they got to say, let's do the thing for Steph, because when he's going, it works for everybody. I, I feel like at some point that has to happen, right? They brought in Bazemore. He struggled the first half. You get him with Pascal on the court. You get him with Lee on the court. Somehow, like, he just finds a rhythm. So I think they got to do something just for the sake of getting their number one player off. I just think Steph and Damian Lee play great together. And why not maximize that? Not Why not optimize that? That and is their best two-man combo so far this year. Yep. And you know what? And you should. Matt, you should. And I just don't think he's going to do it in the starting lineup. I think he's going to do it at the end yeah, of the first that, quarter. Yeah, but that's like that yeah, secondary. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Bring that's, him that's in six where, minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's where you're going to see it. And he hasn't done that so much yet. No. He puts Bazemore in there. And then he gets Ubre back in. And like, you know, he... He maneuvers it that way, but I do think that's where it could be. That you know, they won a game. I think I, I try to remember now. They with that end of first quarter, end of third quarter unit, and that was with Damian Lee and Steph, and that's with Pascal, by the way, because he subs in for Draymond at the end of the first and third quarters. Maybe Kerr will get back to it. He's kind of going away from it right now, but I agree, and I just don't think Kerr's going to change the starting lineup. I just think they have too much invested in Ubre. They want him in it mentally. They want him starting the game, bugging the, the opponent's best offensive player. They want him, you know, feeling like he's a huge contributor. You know how Kerr is about that. He, he wants these guys to feel their contributors. They feel like they're going to be counted on. And then if you have to tweak his minutes, you tweak his minutes. But I, I, I just don't see that starting lineup move, moving around very much. Part of the issue, though, is that Ubre plays like a sixth man. You know, you're not much of a passer. You might be a six man. You like to go 94 feet pressing up on the other guy in a way that is not sustainable uh, when it comes to one's energy. That's kind of like a six man. Um, You like to take some shots that aren't too efficient. It's kind of like a six man. Maybe I'm wrong and he really he really becomes a starter and it all meshes together. It's just it's just hard to see it. If he's a sixth man, he's playing minutes with Steph at the end of the first and third quarters, by the way. Like that that doesn't and change. Who's guarding Dam- who's guarding Damian Lillard if he's yeah, the sixth man? That, that's the problem. The that, the that is the problem, you know. Like who's guarding Kyrie? And he's gonna close games, right? He's gonna close games. He's, Kerr's gonna close games with his best defensive unit if he possibly can. Now, do I think he needs to take seven three pointers? No. Uh, you know, especially when Steph is on the floor. He does not need to take those shots. He can take two dribbles, see where the defense is, and move it. But 
he's doing it and he's playing it. And again, he can get into guys. He can guard Draymond. He can guard, sorry, LeBron. He can guard Kyrie. He can guard Lillard. You know, like that is still something that Steve Kerr hugely, hugely valued. Like, did was Andre Iguodala a starter on that team? No. Did he play starters minutes? Essentially, he did. So I think he's hoping for something similar out of Ubre. And and if you don't stick with him, maybe you don't get anything out of him. Even when he's crashing into the wall, he's uh, he's pretty entertaining. So if Ethan is correct and he leads the team in minutes, they're not non-entertaining minutes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, did he get a technical for blowing a kiss last yes, night? Yes, he he's doing, literally did. Yeah, he's, totally he cool. leads the league in first down signs, right? Every time he gets a turnover, it's like, first down that way. He's like a wide receiver, huh? He's like... <laughs> His defensive energy, his defensive energy in that game was fantastic. I mean, just creating the turnovers right off the bake. <laughs> I think that's what like Steve and, and and Mike Brown obviously sees. Like, he doesn't even have to play well defensively. He's just in the way because of his wingspan. Like, he could just be in the way in his worst games. He could just be in a way. Now, sometimes he gets out of position because he's like really jumpy and like, you know, it's like he had a bunch of sugar before the game. He pisses but people if he off. Just, I know. Good. <laughs> he could just be in the way just by getting in a defensive position and spreading his arms. Like that's how like kind of wiry and long like he is. And if you just take that alone, like Steph wingspan is like minuscule, right? Like he puts his arms out. The defense is like, yeah, I'm going around that, right? Ubre does it. You just move the ball. Like that's that's a lot of space being covered. So even on even when he's not playing that well, he's still giving you something on defense. And that I don't think that's going to change at all. Like that that's exactly what you want at the end of games. You want if to line up in your set and you got the best players in the game at the top looking at the defense and they don't see openings. That's what you want, right? And he can do that and still get out to the three. And then if he's on it, now he's a, an extra plus. It makes sense why they're doing it, uh, but yeah, I, I still think, man, you just got to do something for Steph. And maybe he, maybe he's hot now, right? Maybe you throw out the one for thirty-two. <laughs> and, you know, this is maybe he's a thirty-five percent shooter the rest of the way, or maybe even thirty-eight. Who knows? No, and now no. he is. That. <laughs> well, he needs to be about forty to get a season percentage <laughs> yeah. to about thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. no, you just got to throw that out, Slater. You got to throw that out. No, it doesn't count now. Yeah, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> The combo line shooting line of Anthony Davis and LeBron James last night, they both went 6-16. to 16. I think it was the first time all season they've both been under 20 points. That's informative to what the Warriors want to be defensively. They theoretically should have, if an engaged Draymond Green, a really good big defender for a guy like Davis, and, and Draymond was good in the second half defending him. And then they have this tag team on the wing that bothered LeBron last night. You think LeBron likes Kelly Oubre in his face, you know, jumping around and, and doing all that stuff. And then Wiggins is, is like a mute version of that. Um, <laughs> and that's a pretty good tag it's team. It's like a sketch Wiggins. comedy Slater just came up with. I know, like, like Wiggins, Wiggins is the mute. mute. It's, the, it's the odd couple. It's Jay and mute. Silent Bob. <laughs> I was going to say, Wiggins is the mute version of everything. Like, he's like, he's a mute version of this and a mute version of that because he just doesn't say anything. That's Jay and Silent thing. Wiggins, I do, I do like that. Uh, uh, that reference. I'm all, I like. I continue to like Wiggins' defense. He didn't get those blocks he usually gets, but he's swiping at it. He's going for it. You know, I, I, I'm he's still starting LeBron for... at the end of the, again, the game. LeBron didn't do anything at the end of the game. I mean, that, that's something. That tells I'm still you waiting there. for this player that I'm supposed to just hate watching <laughs> that I 
was promised. He's and coming, I just don't... man. He's coming. Yeah, he, Minnesota fans it. already. Hey, by the way, they coming. play the Wolves twice next week. Yep, that should yep. be fun. Very interesting. He did. He did. He did clank those. He did clank those two free throws. By the way, that, that but he had the biggest three threes in the game. Oh he yeah, went oh, bang, 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 back to back, too. Yeah. Save, so, save Jesus. Them. I throw up one Timberwolves fan thing. I get shouted down. My goodness, my goodness. <laughs> Slater, do the Warriors need to win both of these or split? Are, the or are they in games? danger of the? Are the Wolves in danger of having? the worst record in the league like is it, is it too early to be worried about them losing too much because <laughs> since the pick is protected right let me explain to warriors fans who, who, are, who have had this opinion of like oh well we don't want them to have the worst record in the league you do want them to have the worst record in the league because even if you are the worst even if you like the warriors last season where they had the worst record in the league you still have an over 50 percent chance of being the fourth or fifth pick because uh, it's flat and lottery odds. So if the Wolves end the season with the worst record, they would have, I think, like a 52% chance of having like the fifth pick and like a 14% chance of having the fourth pick. And that is the exact, you know, needle. You know, the Warriors are trying to thread this needle of as good as the pick can be without it being protected. And then even if somehow it gets protected, you get an unprotected 2022. And I assume the Wolves are not going to be good that next season either. So it's not like it's disaster if it gets protected. Yeah, so. I mean, isn't this, it's, it's a better odds of getting four if they're one as opposed to four, right? Like, because you still could end up at seven if you're at Yes, four. you could be seven, eight. I think if you're a Warriors fan, root for every single Wolves loss you can have. And particularly ones versus Warriors against the Wolves. I'll tell you what, if they get an unprotected Minnesota 2022 pick, that thing's going to be worth a lot in trades. It's going to be worth a lot as people look at where the Timberwolves might end up in 2022. So the Wolves losing and losing and losing is not a bad thing for the Warriors. It almost, if it gets protected, extends the window of the asset, right? I mean, because at some point, if you if you get the pick, and let's say you get a seventh pick, and you decide, well, we're going to draft the player, maybe two months later, the player, you know, by the time we're in the middle of next season, the player just doesn't look like that valuable. Whereas if, like you said, if you get an unprotected 2022, you could throw it into trades with this theoretical idea of a superstar down the line. Although, I don't know, Ethan may or may not have the answer to this question. How good is the 2022 draft? Supposed to be. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure about the answer of it. I was. What does Bogut? What does Bogut say? What does Bogut say? <laughs> just Tim's trying to attach the Minnesota unprotected pick to Eric Pascal and get Pascal out of here. <laughs> That's a good column. That's a good column. I like that one. Start. Start the Kate Cunningham yeah. return for a second year. Oh, there we go. That would there keep. That would be just for <laughs> everybody. Kate Cunningham hey, plus hey, Eric. Hey, yeah. Slater loved it. Slater yeah. loved. Hey, if he wants to yeah, stay yeah. another year in Stillwater, I'm all on board. We beat Kansas the other day, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we, we. He was out. Slater was out there playing with him. Hey, I, <laughs> hey, I can say put, we put, for he my call. Thousands of dollars in there. Yeah, he yeah. Put thousands I, of that. I dude. paid that place for degrees. <laughs> so yeah, that's the one time I can say we. I will never say it for a pro team. I can say it for Oklahoma State. Come on. What about Chet Holmgren? Does that interest anybody? Is that something that that would be? Oh, that would be brutal brutal for wolves fans is Bronny if, coming out 2022 is Bronny coming out <laughs> that would be so brutal for wolves fans if they had the number one pick but they had to give it away because it was unprotected and it was chet holmgren from minneapolis minnesota as the number one pick have you guys seen this this guy by the yeah, way he's like he's like a seven foot one white dude who like he like kind pulls of, up like kd basically yeah Basically, he's super sti like stiff, kind of looking, but then he does kind of make some plays. But he gets it done though. It's weird. Like it doesn't look, it doesn't look like he should be able to do it, but he does it. 
Sounds like Porzingis, like a Porzingis. Yeah, point? yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. call. When I was watching, God, was he? Go- who was he going against? He was going against somebody else who was highly touted. I'm trying to remember In that high Don't... school game, right? Yeah, yeah, little, yeah, yeah. yeah. He game. was going against somebody else who was highly touted. He gets the rebound, I think maybe after swatting the shot or really contesting it, and then he starts dribbling it up the floor, and you're going, "Whoa, I haven't really seen that too." Often. And then he pulls up in transition. And it looks it looks KD like, and it was Imani Bates. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. That's who it was. That game, yeah. But yeah, and you just go, whoa, that's not common. <laughs> you don't know the consistency. It's not like I've ever seen a full game from this guy. But that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty shocking. Sounds like we're having set. a we're, yeah. James we're really Wiseman conversation. <laughs> I mean, James Wiseman can't do that. I mean, God, that would be really that might be bottom for Wolves fans after everything else. After everything else, if they lost the number one pick and it's Chet Holmgren out of Minneapolis, oof, that would be tough. Is he going to a college? Do we know? You should check out some of these highlights. I don't know what college he's going to. I'm not sure. He's going to play in the NBL is what I, my understanding is. <laughs> okay. G-League good, elite. Good, good, good. Uh, I, I did not even know of this player. Looks so like that, he hasn't can, decided his college. Yeah, oh, I think Gonzaga has been rumored for him. I hear That's Oklahoma I State. Gonzaga, yeah, Gonzaga. I think oh, Gonzaga's be, a front runner. Perfect for yeah, Gonzaga. Do we have like a perfect. chat where we can share this clip of what this guy can do? Um, yeah. Anyway. Yes, it's called Slack. You can figure oh, it out. Oh, yes. It's that one. Anything else um, from... Yeah, yeah, let's not go too far ahead, huh? Yeah, wow. I was going to say, let's go 2023. We've got any 2023 picks? It's like like an episode of Back to the Future. Hey, I do want to say this. We've kind of gone... I mean, it's a long... We've talked about this before, but Steph is as good as Steph's been. He's as good as he's been. There's no fall off there. The percentages maybe aren't great right now, but the stuff he's doing, that dribble behind the back, step back, right, step back, left over Anthony Davis... That was classic Steph Curry. It is he is as good as he's going to be. He's as good as he's been. Uh, maybe not consistently, but in those moments, I'm saying he's as good as he's been. This is Steph Curry. We're seeing the real Steph Curry, and, and it, that is very good to see for any basketball fan. Silence. What? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm looking for Chet Holmgren highlights. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Steph Curry Chet is as good as Steph Curry right now. <laughs> Steph Curry is yesterday's news. My. Does Steph Curry fit the Chet Holmgren prime window? I'm not sure he does. So. I will say this. He's looking really good off the dribble in isolation. I think that's something they could use more. I know they're, I know they're trying to get the offense moving and they're going for the screen, but – Man, he's got some defenders in front of him so often that he could just take, like, you know, he just take the guy, like take Dennis Schrader, make them switch, do it every time until they do something. That also gets the offense moving. You could tell he doesn't he, he doesn't pull that card out until he needs to. I think maybe he should do it earlier because he's looking really good off the dribble. A hesitation then a feed to Ubre for a dunk, you know, that connection. He's been pretty good in postgame interviews too. Um, which I feel like when Draymond is really good in post game interviews, it means he's like engaged in the season and maybe. Please tell me Steph has hit that Kobe mode where he's going to be like a quote machine now. He's getting. I mean, the AC Law thing last night I thought was good. Did he even know that you were on the call, Marcus, when he said that? Yeah, yeah, he did. Okay, I was like, it would be great if he just randomly said it out of the blue. That then Marcus wasn't there, but it's all good. It's all good. Always good with AC Law's mention. The one last thing I wanted to talk about was. an overrated Western Conference uh, that is remains beyond the LA teams is like pretty mad. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, I was preaching that. Yeah, you, you were know, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jazz right now are the third best team in the West, nine and four. I mean, 
Denver right now is six and seven, the like eleven seed. The Blazers are having massive injury issues. CJ McCollum they broke just his lost foot. CJ McCollum. Yeah. Yep. Nurkic broke his wrist. Though both of those guys are out for an extended period of time. I mean, the Suns right now are the four seed at seven and five. Like the Spurs are eight and six. Like I don't see this like so challenging West. Warriors are two games behind the number three seed. I didn't know I don't know why people were saying this from the beginning, but it never was really that good. It was a bunch of pretty good teams that were always vulnerable. I don't know where all of a sudden Dallas was a juggernaut. The bubble did a lot. Like people, we started recalibrating. And lo, oh my God, they Phoenix made the first round yeah. of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah like yeah. yeah, Phenix didn't even make the playoffs. Just, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah they, and other teams right. made they the did. first they round. Went, yeah. know, yeah. But you know, Damian Lillard looked incredible in the bubble. I think, I think the bubble did skew a lot of this, and maybe some of those teams are piling up the injuries because they played in the bubble. We'll see. There was some wear and tear, but I think that was like there were a lot of recalculations was based on all these young great shooters in the in the West, and that was from the bubble. That wasn't from the regular season because you know we saw the regular season. It was for, a lot of it. I think was from the was from the bubble, and that was because some of it was going to play out, and some of it wasn't going to play out. When we're seeing that. Yeah, it's probably easier for certain players to perform in that environment where they're not really traveling, uh, you're not in a big stadium. I mean, there are no fans now, but it's just a little bit different. I do think, in a way, the bubble was a metaphorical bubble, that you could only really glean so much from it. Not to say that the Laker championship is fake or anything like that. I mean, I think they were the best team in the end, but some of these performances, what's that? what, what do they say on the rearview mirror, that objects might be uh, closer than they appear? Yeah, it's a little bit little bit like that when it comes to the development of certain certain perimeter stars. No doubt. All right, I believe All right, we're fellas, past think, 50 yeah, minutes yeah, in. Let's, let's, so, let's wrap uh, it up. Let's wrap it up. Hold on. I want. Can we talk about the 2023 number one? Pick? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm looking for. I, I, I've got I was thinking Mike Holmgren. Somebody's going to draft Mike Holmgren. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what if he was Mike Holmgren's son? And he yeah, just right. had a what seven foot related? one, probably scrawny right son. <laughs> Spurs, Knicks, Jazz, Wolves, Wolves. I mean, the Jazz are tough, but overall, four of those are at home. They need to go at minimum three and two in this stretch and if they want to really kind of start to emerge in this like playoff abyss uh in the west they should go four and one at least yeah, they I should i don't think they're gonna but three and two yeah I think i'm gonna go three fine. and two three and yeah. two will be fine and two those two wins over the minnesota will be sweet for them but I, no I, towns I, by the way which who sadly yeah. has covid i'd say three and two four and one would be a bonus and they go two and three that would be disappointment who's the one they lose to well they're gonna think, lose think, in utah you would assume yeah uh, i think they might lose to this i think they might lose to the spurs, the spurs. I think. Yep. yeah spurs. Spurs have been good. if they do win that spurs game then suddenly you're going get to that four and one in that five game stretch because you should beat the knicks and like you said if you could two and oh the wolves at home that has like a double bonus we'll see we'll hey man, don't sleep on the seven and eight knicks the number six team in the in the East. Don't Tib- sleep on Tibodeau the Thibodeau got them grinding. Yeah, we'll be topping. <laughs> they'll, they'll be dust. They'll be dust after a while. Great show, fellas. We are out of here. Until next time.